0: We know of uh, new methods of attack the
1: horse, the fist- greetings and welcome back to another exciting <laughs> <laughs> installment of the fifth column podcast <laughs> this is your weekly rhetorical assault of the new c- cycle the people that make it and occasionally ourselves I'm Camille Foster and I am I'm am so stoked to be here I'm joined by Mike Moynihan and Matt uh-huh. Welch and we are we're pleased to be doing this again recording yeah. this very fine podcast in this best of all possible worlds, on the best of all possible timelines, where nothing is weird. Everything no, is fine. Everything is completely fine. fine. You are normal, your neighbors are normal, and goddammit, our politics and our media, completely normal. You sound guilty of something,
2: by the way. <laughs> Super guilty, what'd you do? What do you want to tell us? Do you have any news you want to tell us? <laughs> all right, we'll talk well, about you later. Yeah,
3: yeah, later, later, later. We, later. Later. we should yeah. share with the audience that the, what are the last two words that were said before we, we said greetings? <laughs>
1: welcome back no before before oh before oh i don't know what was that jeffrey, jeffrey epstein, epstein. Yeah, no. oh. <laughs> 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 you know what did, yeah i'm he, not gonna explain myself to you okay well, yeah. you found some email correspondence that yeah, doesn't mean exactly. that we're friendly he just yeah. like photos that doesn't yeah. mean i was at his house yes yeah. man likes telescopes that's not yeah, a acne. problem you yeah, get open AI yeah, is yeah, chat yeah. GPT hoaxes. That's what it is. <laughs>
2: Do you understand, people, where the never fly coach thing comes from? When you start <laughs> oh, flying no. on Jeffrey Epstein's plans, <laughs> oh,
1: no. with Alan Dershowitz.
2: I'd say never fly, yeah. never In fly Norman
1: commercial <laughs> is what I would say. <laughs> okay. I turned him down. That's why yeah. I've settled for never fly coach. Yeah, yeah. That is that is my mantra It will remain my mantra, and it's it's a modest one. Okay. Yeah. It's a modest one. It's also well, aspirational. I mean, because sometimes I do have to fly coach. This actually has happened and it hurts me. It wounds Holy me goodness. and it reminds me of America's legacy of racism, and contempt, <laughs> you, and hatred. I know.
2: And I'm still so, fighting it. But I'm, I'm accepting, yeah. um, I'm like a kind of a proxy uh, for reparations payments for some people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Camille's one of them. I'm like an escrow, I'm like a white escrow account. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes, I'll pay it out. So one yes. of the things, um, somebody, uh, a listener sent a really great detailed email uh, message, I guess, through the Substack where you su- should go subscribe, you cheap fuckers. And because uh, I had asked if anyone had any tips on um, <laughs> getting an upgrade on Emirates, because uh, I, am, I am flying Emirates with my daughter to, to uh, Italy this summer. I'm taking her to Italy. She's very, 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 very excited. She's not stopped talking about it since I proposed it. And uh, someone sent a very detailed um, email about how to do this. It was amazing, but mm. I don't have points. <laughs> thing like is predicated on this idea that I have like 200,000 points. I'm like, I don't have uh, points. So what I want to do... And you know, flying coach for Camille, like not flying mm. coach, like flying in first class is um, because of the legacy of of uh, slavery <laughs> and racism. Yes, he, they just let him sit in the front of the plane. And for me, it's <laughs> it should different. be that way. It's not Irish Americans. Yeah. I want to rem- remind people were portrayed as knuckle drag accurately portrayed. Let me let me go back to that as knuckle dragging uh, animals for many many years. That has really hurt me and my job prospects. It's mm-hmm. why I do this podcast. It's why I no longer work at Vice. Well, actually, nobody works at Vice anymore, I don't think. <laughs> there's um, a few. You there's still a few left. send out ugly tweets. There's so. a few. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So I would like to take your points uh, as reparations uh, mm. for what has happened to the Irish. Because the government's not going to do it, yes. right? Cory Bush yes. is not going to come out with the big tattoo on her tip. <laughs> This is fair. <laughs> what? <I'm sorry. laughs> what? I just noticed that. On her, on her on her body. On her body. I just noticed this when I was watching the was saying this big sentence.
1: is not right either.
2: Yeah. yeah. Big tattoo is what I said. Yeah. It's like a rose oh. or something. <laughs> well, the other thing would be accurate too, by the way. But uh, yeah, I was watching this today and I was like, oh my God, Cory Bush. It's got a big one. Is she the only, is she the first congresswoman to to ever have <laughs> to quote a, the pixies a visible, a tattoo a visible tip, body tattoo and the number yeah. 13
1: That's I don't a know
2: reference by the way Um yeah. yeah is that is that the first one
3: did we just go know. from zero to insane within the first three minutes of this yeah podcast? yeah yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, okay, I, okay. yeah I'm trying to get some
1: reparations here I'm so tired is, is there no anymore. is there no congressional <laughs> tattoos website there probably should be <laughs>
3: <laughs> like an what? index why is of, there an internet people if in congress not this? Yeah. Have tattoos? Why, why does this podcast exist you know jim jordan's got some sweet tattoos oh my mm. god it's wrestling <gasps> and wrestling Holy tattoos shit. wrestling he me, just yeah. like I've seen it yeah His yeah. stint in the clink yeah come on <laughs> is, he, is he in the clink <laughs> no but he looks like he should oh, yeah, have yeah. yeah.
2: no he looks like a principal <laughs> who'd molest you <laughs> if you're a boy,
3: <laughs> sorry. How are we doing? First four minutes. I, I almost just, said, not that the, there's
1: anything wrong with that, and then I, I realized, not, yeah, no, that's is, that is unacceptable. the gender behavior.
2: doesn't matter. We don't care about yeah. that. Yeah. The mol- molesting thing is a problem. That's right. A this a doesn't make bad. it worse or better. no That's what I mean. Depends. Yeah. It can be sexy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh my God. And start. This is <laughs> it. I'm literally like, Welcome
2: to the last episode
1: of the yeah. comic podcast.
2: Suicide mission tonight. Very last. Wow. <laughs> I I just strapped it to my chest, yelled Inshallah, and pressed the button. <laughs> blow guy. it up. It doesn't matter anymore. No one's going to hire me. Come on. Inshallah. Oh, oh
1: my gosh. Uh, well, it has been an exciting, exciting week in the in the news media. Uh, there yeah. are plenty of things that we might talk about. I, I suspect at some point we will talk about the the report that we've been waiting on for a very very long time, which uh, is a scathing scathing critique of the National Intelligence Agency um, and the the investigation of the President of the United States and his connections to Russia. Um, so we should talk about that a little bit later. But there are plenty of other things going on. Uh, governor of Florida is busy expanding the Stop Woke Act. So there are some things there that may be of interest to us. Interesting stories in the New York Times um, about the decline, uh, deterioration of various DEI um, programming and interesting alternatives that are being posited. A really interesting piece in the LA Times that I'm yeah. hoping we can spend a little time talking about. God, amazing. amazing. Uh, a story of two women who were friends and are no longer friends. <laughs> no. And they were we just star-crossed, it, star-crossed
2: DEI lovers, and yeah. it did not work out well, no.
1: Um, and, and apparently there's a weird trend in the Congress of the United States, and in, in politics generally, uh, where there are these prominent political figures who no longer have the ability to speak English or perhaps even understand what's happening in the world around them, and it's and bizarre. he might
2: be the next president.
1: <laughs> it's <Again>. really strange. <laughs> he might be again.
3: <laughs> I think he, Coming he's back guaranteed to, to be the next
2: yeah, president yeah, so at this yeah. point. Yeah. Oh, by so. the way, there was, uh, did you see that? Um, uh, gene- it was like a, the generic. Uh, was it, it was a Trump-Biden uh, matchup poll that I saw mm. today that was popular vote poll. So we had, mm-hmm. we, it doesn't mean a ton. Uh, where Biden was up quite a bit. I don't know if uh, you saw that. It was just this afternoon. I don't know the details. I I saw it flash across my phone while I was um, dealing with boring things in my my life, which is most of my life. Um, But let me see. Uh, Biden maintains edge over Trump in U.S. uh, election. Reuters Ipsos poll is what it was. And uh, registered voters Biden led Trump. Uh, his predecessor as president by six percentage points in a hypothetical matchup, forty four percent to thirty eight percent. So, a national a national poll.
3: Yes, national poll, okay. popular yeah. vote. Just a, May the year before May the year before.
2: Mm-hmm. Not doesn't mean a ton, but it gives you. It does give you a sense that um, despite <laughs> Joe Biden's many failures and his incredible unpopularity, it's it's really astonishing how unpopular he is. Uh, that he still manages in that poll that to have a, a six point lead over Trump.
3: Did you just say, or did my brain make up? If it was forty four to thirty eight in that. I it was forty four to thirty eight. Yeah. Okay. Um, because that says to me, and this is how I, I read a lot of uh, polls at this stage in the um uh the primary campaign, is that like the number between them doesn't really matter too much, and you know everything. Uh, doesn't matter. What matters is lanes. You've just uh, established that there is a lane of people who are X, who are willing to do this right now. The, the biggest thing in the polling, as far as I'm concerned, is that there's 30 percentage of points, 25 to 30 in the Democratic primary available to anybody.
4: anybody. <laughs> if it's, to if anybody. it's
3: Bobby Kennedy Jr. and Marianne Williamson, yeah. uh, Marianne Williamson, who never got higher than 2% in any poll last time around, who's yeah. been as high as, as nine. Um, and Bobby Kennedy get, getting 20, that means, you know, if it was Gavin Newsom or something like that, that's a, it could be a bigger lane. It might not. Maybe yeah. it's all Bobby Kennedy. They really love yeah. him because yeah. he's a truth teller. Yeah. Um, that's I'm actually, not that's just, sure the Holocaust really happened, <laughs> that, but um, yeah, I just he, got... He
2: didn't say that exactly, but I'm sure he would. <laughs> I just yeah, got I, uh, in
3: my <laughs> inbox today uh, the notice of a new book called "The Real RFK Jr." I'm like, oh, okay, oh. Um, maybe someone's like getting down to the bottom of it. And then the subhead: "Trials of a Truth Warrior." Oh, wow. no, warrior, truth truth warrior. Trials yeah. of yeah. a Truth Warrior. But anyways, the forty-four to thirty-eight indicates <laughs> that there's a lane for not those guys.
2: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
3: I spend a lot of time covering third-party politics, including. Um, How there was a a pretty big lane in 2016 for third-party candidates, and that shrank to nothing after Trump got elected because people freaked out, especially in the Democratic side. Um, it, that might be opening up again because the sense of terror of people, yeah. um, the stakes of it, it's going to be hard for people to say, oh my God, if you really like Biden, then the American ship of state is finally going to crash down like the Hindenburg. I don't think pe- you, you, people are not going to really believe it. Um, and uh, and for whatever reason, I think people are not as, as are going to be as exercised as Trump. So um, there's a lot of preemptive panic out in the world that like no labels is going to start throwing their money <laughs> into something or Andrew <laughs> Yang, so Yang. There will be a lane if it's just those two, like ninety thousand year old people. There will be a lane for a third party candidate, and I uh, and I'm uh, and really happy be. that yeah. the third existing third parties are doing everything to trip on their own genitalia. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, With that opportunity in front of them, because what usually happens is you
2: see like, oh, this is the year, and then the libertarians. Nominate somebody whose like main issue is age of consent laws. And they're like, you know what, <laughs> really? We need free trade and to be able to sleep with 12 year olds. I mean, look. But it, if we can only it? have one. Yeah, <laughs> if we can only have one, I'm going full <laughs> Epstein because the federal government has no business in my pants. But the, the incredible thing oh, is that God. Matt has this amazing habit, which I both appreciate. And um, it it frightens me when I hear the ding on my phone and see that it's from him, because it's going to be some idiot uh, who is kind of vaguely libertarian, praising Robert Kennedy Jr., which uh, has become increasingly common. It's amazing. It's amazing. And this is someone whose economic policies usually trend towards people he's praised like Hugo Chavez. And then the rest of it is just bizarre conspiracy theory. And I know he's kind of recast a lot of that stuff in a way. And it's so amazing how dumb these people are because you just change the syllables and the breath and the emphasis here and there, same stuff, but it kind of starts appealing to these people. Um, And it shows you by the way, that um, the no platforming of people like Alex Jones has done almost nothing because Robert uh, Kennedy jr who is a legitimate conspiracy theorist. I'm not talking about vaccines. You can take vaccines out of this. Yeah, it's Let's not take necessary. Out of it. It's unnecessary. The The conspiracy theory is like beyond, you know, I mean, you're t- talking about his father and his uncle were killed by the CIA. Now, the scary thing is the number of people that actually believe that in America uh, suggests to me that people um, are very easily convinced by bad Hollywood movies. Actually, it's not a terrible movie. That's just- That's a, good. No good movie. It's a terrible premise, but it's a it's a- um, it's a good movie because uh, <laughs> Jim Garrison was notoriously mentally ill. And it's, it's like the whole thing is not only a tissue of lies, it's, it's a thousand times worse than that. It's defamation. It's all sorts of things. But he, of course, believes that. He believes a number of other uh, bizarro conspiracies. You know, you know, again, I've said this a million times on the show, and it's the thing to always remember about conspiracy theories. Nobody believes just one. And that tells you all you need to know about that way of thinking, because no one ever says 9/11 was an inside job, and then someone says, "Hey, the moon landing uh, on a soundstage," and like, Excuse, what? What the fuck is wrong with you? Seriously, on a soundstage? It's like, no, no, no. That's the way of thinking. They think all of them. They or will entertain all of them in a way that they probably shouldn't. And Robert Kennedy uh, is one of those people. So to see, um, you know, people I never thought were really normal. But we're kind of pretending to be normal on Twitter and in the pages of certain um, ideological journals coming out and saying, you know, this guy, he's really, the, he's the one this time. <laughs> around. And that shows you how bad we are uh, in uh, how bad of a state the American politics is in at the moment. There's Can that I,
3: phrase that yeah. Adam Serwer used a lot during the Trump era of the cruelty is the point. I don't know if he ever like uh, cranked up mm-hmm. a book, but he certainly had an Atlantic essay about that. I think he, he might've overstated understand. it. I'm not a big fan of Adam Serwer's. Uh, it's personal, um, but uh, oh. but like it's catchy because there's something to it, I think. Um, I think he replaced that word with conspiracy or like a slightly, just slightly uh, a softer version of the word conspiracy. Uh, and that's kind of the thing that I'm coming to realize And even like in my naivete being a little bit surprised by um, of uh, RFK Jr.'s fan base, it's actually the conspiracy is the point. It's when he says, which he did, and I wrote a piece about this today. Um, when he says that Tucker Carlson was fired, um, because he crossed the red line of criticizing big pharma on Fox, yeah. the people who lap that stuff up, it's the Mises Institute, surprisingly, the, uh, Brownstone Institute, surprisingly, um, and a bunch of Trumpy kind of aggregator sites and a few other places, um, Uh, they are attracted inherently to those kinds of airtight conspiratorial worldviews. They want to actually believe that there are these unspoken rules and the penalty is death, even at the price of a really, really high paid and very successful anchor saying something. And it takes 20 seconds to do enough research to show that that's wrong. And you're going to hear this, I Guarantee you, you will hear that phrase about Tucker Carlson was fired because he took on big pharma um, plenty of times over the next, you know, however many months. And it is so incredibly untrue. And it doesn't matter um, because it's more fun for people to believe that it is because it gives them a sense of unearned dissidence I'm fighting against this Borg that has so much omnipotence, uh, assailed against me. Um, it's kind of, and it's kind of, you know, uh, there's a, a skeleton key, a secret key that's gonna unlock everything. Um, and it's, uh, it's,
2: why are libertarians so dumb sometimes? I mean, <laughs> one of the things that you should – defend them in a second, Camille, but I'm going to say one thing. <laughs> you would imagine that the red line for anybody who is a libertarian would be to hear what you put into your piece. Uh, I think you linked to the video of Robert F. Kennedy saying that people who are climate change deniers, skeptics, et cetera, should be put in jail. The weight of the state should be brought on to people who have dissenting ideas, which I think are primarily wrong, on this issue should be thrown in jail. That should be, as a libertarian one would imagine, something like, okay, I'm ruling this guy out. Maybe his candidacy will be interesting on someone. But the just encomiums that you see on Twitter from, from these lunatics saying, this other lunatic is, is, is the answer to America's problems. Camille, defend them. <laughs> I, I, cannot,
1: I cannot offer a credible defense. Um, and the reason why, and this may actually make me look even worse, is because I have done everything in my power to avoid listening to anything Robert Kennedy has to say. Um, and the reason why is because of his disability. I just can't, um, I yeah. can't listen to the man. It, wow. is, it is nails on a chalkboard. It is the worst fucking thing imaginable. Just auditorily, it it is like some sort of weird, deviant sexual act that I have absolutely no interest in. I just can't,
2: I can't watch, I can't watch, I can't listen. I don't want to
1: be anywhere (laughs) near him. Okay, I didn't mention Epstein. There are other people who've committed deviant sex acts. Uh, Um, so like it is just bad. So I don't, I don't know what he's talking (laughs) about. But, but I can say, perhaps I could say this in their defense. I've never liked the phrase the cruelty is the point precisely because it does this grotesque sort of um, fantasizing about what other people's motives are and attributes the worst possible motives to them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the conspiracy is the point. I don't know that I like that remix on that particular phrase because, again, it does the same sort of thing. My suspicion is if I had to try to put the best gloss on the perspective of right of center or libertarian people who like him is that it has something to do with his particular foreign policy positions, and specifically with respect to Russia and Ukraine, and that they are particularly concerned. Um, And I'd say in some respects, legitimately concerned about the risk of there being some huge expansion of the conflict in Ukraine, something that leads to a nuclear conflict and some wider war that just harms lots and lots of people. This is a legitimate thing to be concerned about. It's it's fair to have that be your principal uh, political concern and maybe even the thing that you use when you're making a decision about who to vote for. But it does seem to me that yeah, if Donald that is Trump your concern, guy, right? there are plenty of avatars. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, plenty Donald of Trump people who like. could be your champion, yeah. and this yeah. just seems like the worst possible champion. I mean, yeah. just this is not going to work. He's Most Americans way, will not like this. They don't yeah. want him to be president of the United States because they don't want to listen to him talk either. Just like <laughs> <this>. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. why. And that's he's
2: he's a reverse path of his father. His father was uh, conservative in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on Joe McCarthy's committee. Um, He went to Joe McCarthy's funeral uh, because the family was uh, friendly with McCarthy and him in particular and was advised against it and actually nevertheless went and then had uh, his progressive awakening in the mid-60s. You know, LBJ hated him, et cetera. And then he runs in 68 and is assassinated. But uh, RFK Jr. Appears to be going in the opposite direction where he's, Somebody who's a a progressive, and uh, you know been this sort of doyen of, of 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 progressive uh, sort of alternative media for a very long time, and now is somebody who's seeping in, into the right in a way. But on the cruelty is the point. I think you're absolutely right, Camille. That it's a very uh, important point that it, that kind of questioning of people's motives as a as a kind of blanket thing, rather than individually, when you can actually determine and elucidate these points and say, well, I know that your motive is uh, a bit dodgy here because of X, Y, and Z reason. It, it, the problem is it, it's who gets to define cruelty. So let me la- let me pull this to a slightly different point that we were talking about on text a bit. The um, immigration crisis that we haven't really talked a lot about on this mm. show. the show. The crisis at the border, it is a crisis to say it is not, is, I think, madness. And to say that it is doesn't mean that you are Tom Tancredo, if anyone wants to remember somebody who doesn't really exist anymore.
3: A deep uh, cut,
2: yeah. A deep cut from Colorado, right? Uh, mm-hmm. b- b- very much a immigration restrictionist, that would be the mild way of putting it. But that's not what that means. But the, So if you were to say something like this, New York City, there's been a lot of reporting recently about the um, number of people here, 65,000 migrants, I think, over in a, in a very short period of time, Um, and they're being housed in um, hotels in New York City. Now, uh, Camille, I think you rightfully said when I sent you this story that was both in the Daily News and the Post, and I think on New York One, that Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, said that 50% of New York's hotel rooms are uh, occupied by migrants. 50%. I don't know if that's true, but I tried to figure out where he came up with that, and I found out where he came up with that. If there's 65,000 migrants, there are actually, according to um, city data, 120,000 hotel rooms in New York. So Mm -hmm. he just divided by two and said 50%. I don't know if that's true. Maybe not all of them are in hotels. Some of them are in sort of Mm -hmm. shelters. I mean, I think the homeless shelter population is like 50% um, uh, migrants now, too. On the cruelty is the point issue, if you were to say— The distorting effect that this has on a number of things, has on the economy of New York, has on the tourism trade of New York. Let's just assume what Eric Adams is saying, because he's the mayor of New York City, is true. 50% of those hotels are taken up by migrants. They are paid for by the taxpayers of New York at $120 a night. They have just made a deal with another hotel, um, which I think comes out to $205 a night, um, which is the—I think it's actually the Pakistani government— Who bought the Roosevelt Hotel and was planning on reopening it, and is now and made a deal with the government in New York City to To, give to turn it
1: into a shelter?
2: Yeah, basically at two hundred and five dollars a night. So it's pretty. Look, it's you know it's steady income. There's no down seasons. Then it doesn't. No summer. No fall. It's just steady income. That is a half a billion dollars, um, according to figures that I saw that seem um, plausible. If you were to say publicly. Um, get those people out of there, honestly. I mean, it is an incredible thing that the taxpayers of New York are subsidizing people who crossed illegally into the country, were bused to New York, and now are living in hotels, which seems rather nice for a lot of people that live in New York, um, particularly people who are homeless and don't have the ability to just go live in hotels like this. So if you were to say, get them out, in that way, in just that crude way, i can imagine someone saying well the cruelty here is unbelievable and that is the point the cruelty (sighs) is the point you enjoy the cruelty of sending people out you know and just say get the hell out on the street we want you to suffer and it'll be winter soon and you'll you'll just you know freeze to death or something it's like no no it's just kind of generically unfair and for, for, a, for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think that, you know, our opinions on immigration, you know, are more pro than they are anti. They're very nuanced, I think. Um, but on this one, I just imagine someone in that kind of rhetoric. And I saw that so much during the Trump years of the cruelty is the point. And I know that there was so much stuff that was just unthinkingly cruel. Maybe it was the point. But you can really, really, really recast that for anything. Saying I don't want these people in hotel rooms being paid for by by the the New York New York taxpayer. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty cruel, doesn't it? Where mm-hmm, the hell do you want mm-hmm. them to go? What that's I'm, the point, isn't it? <laughs>
3: like, I'm seeing no. I'm seeing some conservative ish um, uh, uh, ire thrown at parents because, of course now uh, part of what eric adams is doing and it's unclear how much of this is desperation and how much of it is his own publicity stunt in trying to get money from the Biden administration with whom he's had a big fallout uh, over this issue um but he's decided at least for a second and a half to uh house them at public schools yes including in my district um and so when park slope which is famously tony district not far from where i am um, you know, uh, parents uh, heard that their precious uh, loved ones were going to share it with uh, immigrants, uh, migrant uh, 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 people looking for a shelter. And some—they're not all illegal. Some of them are legal, whatever. But it's a—it's a or in in like some in between zone that been they've been caught and released while they're waiting, awaiting trial or awaiting a hearing. Um, uh, they, of course, uh, objected because you don't really want. Um, I don't know, like migrant forty-five-year-old dudes at your daughter's <laughs> middle school, like camping out. Um, and I think that they've managed to eject them. But a lot of conservatives, like, aha, see, uh, they weren't saying the cruelty is the point, which I didn't mean for us to go in this rabbit hole. But it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. uh, to to hear it expounded. I, I I want to defend my usage of it, which is less about intention yeah. and more about attraction.
2: No, no. Um, I, and by the way, think, just to I clarify, I just, I don't an, yeah. mean that that's what you, you that you yeah, were yeah, yeah, intending. It's just that it's, it, it, that phrase is one can be deployed Absolutely. very easily. Absolutely. And and, and
3: then, and you're both right of, uh, of, of like, that's, it's the opposite of what, uh, Angel Eduardo talks about star manning, right? Like it is, it's assuming the absolute worst. Um, I do think, and this is probably assuming somewhat of the worst, but I've observed it for a while, mm-hmm. um, that there's a, a certain conspiratorial mindset that has long been—that that is fair, sure. Uh, long been on the left. Um, I mean, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has been an avatar of that. Re- recall that he, you know, he really thought that that 2000, not just ze- you know 2000 or 2020 or whatever your number is, but to the 2004 presidential election was stolen um, and rigged, uh, yes. among many other things. And the things that he's written about this have been serially. Um, Uh, withdrawn or corrected by the people who published them, including about uh, vaccines and autism and other things like that. Um, But uh, that mindset was there now. And the point that I've been trying to make is that that mindset now has been embraced a lot uh, increasingly by the national conservative Trumpist Tucker Carlsonist, right. Um, It's interesting to them. I mean, there's a uh, uh, in part of RFK's conspiracy theory about, um, Tucker Carlson being fired because he crossed big pharma, which is not what really would happened. Um, he pointed to one of Tucker's last, uh, monologues of what, in which he had uh, RFK on and called him, you know, brilliant and stuff. Um, Listen, listen to this phrase, these, this paragraph. The other channels, meaning the, not Fox, took, this is from Tucker, took hundreds of millions of dollars from big pharma companies, and then they shilled for their sketchy products on the air. Uh, and as they did that, they maligned anyone who was skeptical of those products. At the very least, this was a moral crime. It was disgusting, but it was universal. It happened across the American news media. They all did it. Note the lack of air, by the way, in this. This they all, it's completely universal. And he goes on. So at this point, so at this point, the question isn't who in public life is corrupt too many to count the question is who is telling the truth there are not many of those one of them is robert kennedy jr so that mindset that the way of thinking where everything is universal it's everybody who's in on it and so corrupt and then the people on the other side are so truth telling that is the mindset that we see more of on the right i think than we did pre sort of the trump carlson Um, you know uh, way of national conservatism and it's worth keeping tracks on. And it's always been a a sliver or a healthy chunk of libertarianism has always been attracted to that as well. Um, And like all good conspiratorial lanes of thinking, It kind of depends on the target audience having a sense of powerlessness. I can't change what happens. So there must be some explanation of why the powerful people do what they do, those things that I don't like. Um, And I don't think that's very empowering for the audience themselves, but it's pretty good for the people who spread that message.
2: Uh, One final thing on this, and we're going to bring in a friend of ours to talk about the next uh, topic, but... um I don't know what RFK's uh, position on immigration is. And I've just been thinking about this a lot because there's so much. Oh, do you, Jump know? in.
3: He wants to make the borders impermeable. Interesting.
2: <laughs> so is that. For, no, he knows his audience, he, now. He knows he audience now. He does. He do. Cause the way it's a really interesting thing. Cause you do the impermeable thing and then you can actually do the downshift to the Bernie way of doing it. Um, and, uh, make it a left-wing issue too. And by saying, you know, what Bernie always yes. said is that this takes an enormous chunk out of working class wages and it drives wages down uh, for native working class uh, uh, workers. I, I, there's apparently some truth to that. I mean, there's there's some debate about that. Uh, but, you know, there's there different studies on this. But the interesting thing about it is that there's one thing that I always discovered when talking to voters who were in the Trumpy camp. And even ones who were not, they were just kind of undecideds, but didn't, recoil at the idea of voting for Republicans. And it was this very, very simple thing. It's amazing that people don't talk about this more. It is that something happens every day that is illegal and we allow it to happen every day. And that's people walking across the border. They are illegally walking across. And not only do we not do anything about it, and again, this is just me sort of recapitulating the argument that I've heard a million times. Not only do we not do anything about it, we are so sensitive to not doing it about it, that we've actually not even, we've actually recast it to not even being illegal. It's not even undocumented now. Now it's, I don't even know what it is, but the the term is, it's a term of art always to, to take the onus off of the kind of legal idea that coming across the border without uh, the permission of the United States government or the sanction of the United States government is itself illegal. So when you have all these people, like, I mean, you can look around the world. And again, this is a conversation I've had. I can remembering one in particular that I thought was really interesting. Uh, It was like a high school educated guy who was uh, a union. God, what union was it? Steelworkers or something. But we had this conversation about um, uh, issues that were important to him. Immigration was one of them because he worked amongst immigrants and like shop floor stuff. They have a lot of immigrants and he didn't seem to be somebody who was irrationally racist about it, but had the very simple question of where on, else in the world does this happen? That you can cross the border, and not only will you um, not be kicked out, you'll be ferried around the country, you'll be put up in hotels, and there'll be crises in local, state, and the federal government on how best to um, make your life better, easier, right? People resent that, particularly like working class people who don't have a lot and don't have those options. They, they feel like nobody's—this is the thing that people talk about with Trump, was that they feel like they've been left behind, the forgotten man. They feel like they've been overlooked. And, you know, it's all been about free trade, something that I, I support and, and, and seem to be the only one who still does. But <laughs> they, they hated TPP, the gold standard. They hated Hillary Clinton for that. They loved Bernie. And then they loved Trump. And one of the kind of sort of veins of thought there was that nobody does anything for us. And then they look at this news coverage, and then they look at what's happening in New York. And it's not about should we deport these people? It's about where should we, what hotel should we put them in? How should we take them out of the school and put them at the abandoned police academy? And And the incredible thing is that there was a suggestion of putting them on Rikers, Rikers Island, the notorious prison on Rikers Island, um, and people said this is going to be the la- ha- would have to be the last last ditch effort if we couldn't find anything because because it's it's too cruel. How this resonates with voters is something that entire groups of Democratic pollsters should be looking at, and they should probably be thinking about this in, in a way that the Biden administration is even thinking about it in a way that that I find quite interesting too. Because the, they will, you know, faint towards the squad on most every issue and have for the first couple of years of this administration. But not on this one. They will not do that on this one. And they will not roll back uh, Trump era stuff in with the alacrity you would imagine if you were being governed by AOC in her white uh, outfit, weeping at a chain link fence on the border. It's an amazing oh, I were, issue. I thought you were
1: talking about the, the, the dress that she wore to the Met Gala.
2: Oh, yeah. That's, that's what it says, eat yeah. the migrants. What did it say in the back? <laughs> eat the migrants. Yeah. yeah. Eat with the migrants? I don't know.
3: You've seen Kennedy's, right? Yeah. She, she has the exact same one that says taxationist stuff. Oh, Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good fit. Yeah. Anyway, but I, we'll, yeah. we'll talk to our, our, our friend now. But I just wanted to point that out. That I, it's an issue we haven't talked about. And I'm not yeah. saying this is what should be done, this is what shouldn't be done, et cetera. That's a different issue. We can talk about that at some point. But just the optics of it at this point are so, like, you put that in front of, like, anybody's mom, and they're like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? We're putting them in hotels? <laughs> Half a billion no. dollars? How about $200 per person on a plane to deport them back to the country they came from? You know, and if it, if it is about asylum, then the first country that you get to that is a safe country should be good enough. But that's not what, is, what people are after. I mean, they're obviously after um, the economic advantages of the United States and what they should do, rather than, you know, getting the dander up of of all the people in the squad to say, you know, look, look at the cruelty, it might be the point. They should say, look at the greatness of this country uh, and how many people desperately want to come here and get out of the countries that, that we've been um, celebrating their shittiness for so long, like Venezuela and Cuba and Nicaragua. So, anyway. All right. We have a—let's let's, let's talk to, uh, to a friend of ours, because we talked a little bit on Megyn Kelly's show about, uh, as, as Trump called him, Bull Durham— <laughs> where we guest, where we guest
1: hosted or appeared earlier this week? Yeah, as we're, we do guest hosted. Wow, yeah, kind of. I mean, we were guest, guest hosts, kind of, sort of. I don't yeah, know, guess, Maybe that's yes. too much. But it was all three of us for like the whole show. Yeah, I'd we're, just that we're co-hosts. Head. Guests, yeah, we're guests. We're- yeah, I I'm not try. me, Mornahan, trying. Me, Moynihan kind of asked questions. We'll run a buyer. Her we'll yeah, yeah. We'll run a buyer. We'll see yeah. if she likes good, my good. characterization.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying. Good luck with that. All right.
1: I'm sure she'll put me in my <laughs> place right. if I'm wrong. If I'm she overstepping. Will. She will. Yeah. The way he she says, did Matt hopefully. The yeah. yeah, she Matt. She, man, got up on she Matt's fired face. Fire
3: Matt up. She yeah. said, She was nice to me this last time. Yeah, that's because you were quiet. You didn't say too much
1: that time. You've been cowed. Yeah, <laughs> you got Kelly files. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: that
4: was, that's what happened to you.
2: Yeah. Um, but on that show, uh, yeah, when we uh discussed the uh, the Durham report, and uh-huh. it is a 300-odd page report that upbraids and scolds the FBI for getting over its skis, and um. And you know there's, there's, it's a complicated thing. So what we did was we um, we talked to our friend Eli Lake, um, a guest of 500 time guest. I think he's 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 sort of on this <laughs> show more than any of us are. But uh, we had him back uh, to to talk about this because he's written about it, and we actually had a phone conversation about how annoying all the coverage of this is today. So popping in to talk to us now, Eli Lake. The great, the fantastic, the Philadelphian, uh, the rapper,
0: everything. <laughs> Eli, what's going on, man? Thanks for coming uh, back. Happy, happy Durham Day, Durham Week, Cinco <laughs> <one> day Durham.
2: <laughs> what do you make of the Durham? Uh, the it's, Durham the biggest,
0: uh, it's the biggest scandal in the history of crime. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's not that, then it's nothing. So
1: (laughs) It is is the strangest thing, Eli. I mean, we we saw um, the the Trump administration obviously um, helped to kick off this investigation. Donald Trump made grand promises about what this investigation was likely to yield, that it would uncover the crime of the century. And by the end of his administration, he kept saying, where is Durham? What's going on? Where is my report? Um, The report only materialized this week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and folks have been looking at it and generally speaking, it's been characterized as underwhelming, um, as some sort of scandalous, uh, uh, miscarriage of justice as a distraction, uh, weaponizing no. use of fun things. It's just, it's, we it's, it's knew terrible. this all, it's before. all of the worst possible yeah. things. Yeah. But what, what I find very curious, Eli, and I know you've looked at yeah. this very closely and can comment on it is that there seem to be very few people who are engaging with, the series of recommendations that appear in this report and the general analysis which which is is pretty pretty tame
0: well the the fact that there aren't that many recommendations though is actually a a testament in my view to the report's power because what he says is i could make a lot of recommendations but if you have people in leadership positions at the fbi who are scoundrels then it doesn't matter he doesn't use the word scoundrels when he says that they don't live up to the uh, motto of fidelity bravery bravery and integrity um but he's basically saying like listen you know if you have people of low moral character in these positions then again nothing can happen that is in my view far more profound than another dozen you know bureaucratic org chart recommendations or something
2: So, what's the takeaway from this i mean when when you this farrago of nonsense that you hear from all sides on cable news that this is what you should know about this. And one side, it's the it's the silver bullet that shows that Donald Trump has been in the crosshairs of the FBI from the very beginning. On the other end of this is that it is an enormous nothing burger and an embarrassment. And uh, uh, Durham produced nothing but old news. Where do you where do you fall on that?
0: Well, on the old news point, um, if you follow it as obsessively as I have for all these years, then I then yes, I was expecting a lot of it because. Some of these things were released throughout in the court record in the trials of mm-hmm. Michael Sussman and uh, Igor Genschenko. But that's uh, most, I'd say 99% of people you know, more than that would have not been following it. So I do think it's worth reading because what it shows is, um, I mean, I, I, th- I think what I don't want to do is characterize it with adjectives. Mm -hmm. so why don't i just how about this for the for the we the fifth people and you guys why don't i just share some facts (laughs) that we now know because of this drop some facts on us let me just i'm just i'm not gonna dress it up okay (laughs) okay um there were three fbi field office investigations into the clinton foundation and andrew mccabe pretty much shut that down he consolidated into one, he put them in a holding pattern, he said, no, um, you know, like all this jargon about investigative activities, but basically shut down the Clinton, not just that, there were two other foreign government influence investigations that weren't, one was started by another field office by the FBI that was shut down or denied, for example, surveillance warrants, which is something that was a part of the initial scandal for Russia Gate, by headquarters. That were basically protecting Clinton, who admittedly was in the middle of this email, private email server, uh, something that was known about because Congress had already had hearings and there, you know, been a lot of reporting about it. But this was something that was that the FBI was also investigating, and that if you remember, initially Comey said no reasonable prosecutor would prosecute Clinton on, and then reopened it two weeks before, then closed it two days before. Yeah, you know, we know the whole story with that. But I'm saying this really upends the narrative that it was the fbi that was you know screwing clinton and you know doing trump a favor by not mentioning the ongoing investigation uh from that started that july i mean it's the i mean i would say that this report really shows that the fbi went out of its way to protect the clinton campaign
2: now that uh, uh eli let's um get a sort of sharper point on that because there's yeah. a pretty interesting thing here. And when you say foreign governments, essentially what we found out is that the FBI knew from chatter that they picked up surveilling Russians that there was a uh, strategy from the Clinton campaign, according to this, these kind of intercepts of Russians. So, you know, be like, take that with a grain of salt that they were going to try to pin on Donald Trump this collusion narrative to help distract from the email stuff. And to help win the election. Now, it was a serious enough uh, intelligence that John Brennan, the former CIA director, went directly to the president, to President Obama, right, and spoke to him about this, and went to other people. But the scandal, it seems now, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, and tell me how important this is, that the scandal is here. That uh, according to the Durham report, that stuff never filtered down into the fbi the fbi uh to sort of people that were investigating uh this stuff they put a lid on it and according to the report when the sort of fbi f- kind of field officers found out about this they said this is incredible how do we not know about this is that essentially what happened am i wrong about that
0: i mean i don't uh, this is one area where i feel people are getting a little bit caught up on this intelligence angle yeah Did we need intercepts to know that the Clinton campaign (laughs) was trying to pin the Russian (laughs) intervention on Trump? I mean, you know what my source for that is? Hillary Clinton at the debate. (laughs) And she said, you're a puppet. That's my, those are my sources. So, like, (laughs) I, I, you know, you'd have to be a moron at the FBI, which is, there are a lot of them, okay? So, if you didn't know that the Hillary Clinton campaign was trying to pin this Russia shit on, on Trump. Of course, you, how could you not know if you were? It's like if you. If you but were
2: but a, isn't it also that it's deliberate in the sense that they'll take any kind of bottom feeding garbage, whatever came out of the steel report, whatever shit that they came up with, and throw it out there without vetting it because that was just the focus of their attempts to okay, destroy. Okay, so the now Trump you're campaign. getting
0: to something that's really in my. This is this is one of the great chef kiss moments of the Durham report, and I know you will appreciate this, Michael Moynihan. You remember when we used to be told there was all this Russian disinformation on the internet and we have to protect Americans from disseminating the Russian disinformation. Yes, And this is where this intelligence that Brennan briefed the president actually is important because it tells us that two Russian intelligence officers knew exactly what Hillary Clinton was going to do for the rest of the campaign and that the cia like and, and knew about it so you can say take that for what it is it's two people it could be you know you get into the wilderness of mirrors as james jesus i wouldn't say it, but that's my point is is that the, we now have evidence there there's other evidence by the way that's been in other reports including the senate intelligence committee's report that the russians knew that steel was collecting and dirt on trump so this would obviously just yes. using our powers of induction and deduction yes mean that they could then manipulate that to get disinformation into the american bloodstream through the steel dossier well let me add another wonderful i mean just chef's kiss like <laughs> please put it on ice with champagne <laughs> detail the guy who is the primary subsource the main collector is someone of russian national named igor danchenko now we've known that he was once investigated for being a russian spy by the fbi and the counterintelligence division What I did not know, which is now in black and white for all to see in the Dora report, is that the FBI never closed that investigation. They just stopped investigating because they thought he moved back to Russia, but he never moved back to Russia. He was still in America. And then the FBI, when they put him on the payroll, never bothered to resolve. The open counterintelligence investigation into the fucking guy who's collecting potential disinformation about donald trump that no. destroyed art was a mind virus in america for like three four years to the thick. three four years to this. Uh,
2: uh yeah yeah, you can't walk around so much, that's EJ, because you're, you're, yeah, you you yeah, you, you break up, you need to, I know you're getting excited about this, <laughs> but you gotta stay in one but place. Because, watching sorry. you makes us all sorry, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're a... just running around in circles, screaming your baby's <laughs> gonna wake up.
3: But, <laughs> with your Brezhnev glasses. But, but, so
2: this is, this <laughs> yeah. is something that you told me a long time ago, and you didn't, you didn't have this nailed down, but it was a hunch that you had, and you explained it in a very good way. You might've even explained it on this, on this wonderful uh, radio yeah. program that we have here that's not on the radio. I have, I wrote about it
0: in a second you know one of my big uh, yes and and, and, and
2: this is the idea that the campaign to slay disinformation might itself have been based on russian disinformation and that's not a crazy conspiracy theory not a crazy stretch it is literally the person that has been acknowledged by everybody to be the source of much of this steel dossier stuff was himself once investigated by the fbi as an
0: FSB agent and it's never resolved yes. they stopped yeah. investigating cuz they wrongly thought he left and moved to Russia and they never closed it like i mean listen it yeah. doesn't mean that, that they can be wrong they're wrong all the time so I, mm-hmm. yeah. i'm not trying to, I, i'm very very particular as you guys know about and i know that everybody in the fifth column world is on this <laughs> that what we do not want to do ever is you know like accuse people of being disloyal or spies or something like that with unless we unless the government is accusing them or not and you know what i'm saying it's yeah. like i so i don't want to get into that game but to me it was an
2: We lost eli
0: we lost you, you gotta a walk you gotta, out you gotta, you gotta of walk, the closet yeah eli. you gotta
2: walk back to where you were you're walking. I I'm, I'm going to tell you to stop walking. <laughs> uh, you, you, ladies and gentlemen of the fifth column world, Eli gets so excited about the germ report. He's a cage He animal. literally has walked, I think, to Virginia. <laughs> He's walked over the bridge, and he is now in Virginia, and then we lose him because <laughs> it's like different rates for the cell phone plan or something. I don't know what the fuck happens. Ah, this but, is the
1: second time Eli has done this to us. Okay, I'm really so sorry. And you he enjoying, from his I, phone. I'm so sorry. Well, I, I like, did
0: my plan. People were calling me, <laughs> okay. and when they when they yeah. call me like on You're my normal phone, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And by people, okay. do you mean your child is screaming? Daddy, daddy, daddy. daddy. Yeah. 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 Here's the personal, Yeah.
3: <laughs> so, um. Eli, I, uh, when we were on uh, the Megyn Kelly uh, program earlier uh, this week, I freelanced a concept of um, that this might be kind of a reverse working the refs, uh, right? right? Like uh, in the way that um, uh, left of center journalists have accused conservatives over the years of like working mainstream institutions like media who like care about objectivity when that used to exist um, and try to do it in such a way that they have to respond and then they can react to the response. And that's that's a way of like getting crap out into the bloodstream. Um, and I was hey. just speculating um, uh, at the moment that given that Hillary Clinton was secretary of state and has some idea about how intelligence gathering operations work and how FBI cat- intelligence uh, investigations work um, is it possible that what she was trying to do in 2016 is kind of work the refs there like you could throw just enough crap and it's pretty crappy out there in the bloodstream and you can get media around it or you can get investigations around it because you know how the system works the system has to treat it with enough Mm. seriousness that it goes out there is that just me like bullshitting about stuff that i don't know or is there anything possibly to that as like from her point of view from that campaign's point of view of trying to inject this idea into the bloodstream okay so
0: it's an old technique in politics it's called a smear campaign where you (laughs) you basically generate doubts or questions about something when you don't have all the information you accuse someone through innuendo a classic example of this is a congressional committee that you know is trying to get to the bottom of all the you know American Communist Party members that are you know working for the Department of Energy or something, and um, it, it's a it's a it's a tactic. And of course, the Clintons are going to do that tactic. They're hardballers, you know what I mean. And you know, just like Joe McCarthy and Lyndon Johnson and Kennedys, you know, this is. So I have I'm not surprised that they would do something like this. What is surprising, is that the FBI would be so susceptible to such chicanery which is the most charitable explanation because the less charitable explanation is that they were in on it and that's the story Mm -hmm. so it's like i expect a political campaign and by the way roger stone would do the same fucking thing okay it's like Mm -hmm. this is what people do they generate a scandal and yeah they would love it if they could get an fbi investigation started and then have that leak to the press that's what you're trying to do i expect that people will political operators who don't have the same ethics i would expect as g-men would try that sort of thing and we expect or we hope that g-men would not become susceptible to it well that didn't happen this time and that's the story right i, Eli,
1: I mean, one you, one would you, think it was the story or at least yeah. one of the stories i mean you you have a circumstance where you have this ongoing criminal investigation of a uh, potential pres- president president of the united states someone who's running um And then someone who is president of the United States. And one would think that you would take great care and that there would be particular checks and balances and that you would go take take extraordinary measure, um, go to extraordinary lengths to ensure that there wasn't even the appearance of any sort of political corruption. Um, And it just doesn't seem like that was done here. Um, and it doesn't seem like there's a tremendous amount of interest on the part of many mainstream journalists who are taking a look at the report afterwards, who are perhaps weighing in on the quality yeah. and substance of the report without even reading it. Um, and I mean, they when don't I, understand when I was, they,
0: don't, they, they, you have to know what people were saying at the time too. You have to, yeah. you have to look at it. So, okay, let me give you one. Here, here's, here's a, a talking point. I'm sure you will, you will come across, right? It goes like this. Why do you keep bringing up the Steele dossier? Everybody knows that the predication for this investigation started with the George Stephanopoulos cable from Australian <laughs> diplomats. Now, I know it sounds ridiculous. I love, by the way, that you are. You're absolutely right. It sounds kind of crazy. Like, what are you talking about? The steel dossier? Why is that such a big by deal? By the
2: way, just not George Papadopoulos, not Sorry, I am my back. It's late. <laughs>
0: it's Sorry. The George Papadopoulos. Like, wow. You're absolutely right. The yeah, George Papadopoulos. goes yeah. to Mr. the Mr. Papadopoulos, top. the guy from Webster. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay.
2: Alex Karras.
1: Yeah, Karras Karras. Hey.
0: Um, so Mr. Papadopoulos, say, not to right. be confused with Mr. Papadopoulos. Right. So, so, everybody Bob knows. Either. Okay, we all acknowledge now that Steele dossier <laughs> uh-huh. was really bad. Although some people like Barbara McQuaid don't even acknowledge that. But okay, that's another story. Okay. So they, but it started with this really important intelligence. They had to do something. They, there was a, a wine bar and they met with this guy and he was a volunteer. Mm-hmm. and He said something about this and it was taken to mean like he was saying, hey, listen, the Russians are helping us. Did you know that? And then, you know, they once the emails were released, they realized, oh my God, maybe this is it. And that the FBI had to do something. That's been the story for a long time. What Dorham just goes brick by brick and dissects is that this is the thinnest inference upon an inference to start a full investigation mm-hmm. of a major party's presidential candidate's campaign in an oh, election year. That is insanity. It's like that was it. And the thing that he does that I think is a really underrated point, is he says definitively, no intelligence agency in the United States government, including the FBI and including the state department had any derogatory information or evidence to support the claim that Donald Trump or his campaign was colluding with Russia. So when it starts, the only information that the FBI has, and that's really important because you always assume that there would have been something else and there were stories to that effect. No, the only information that they had was this memo. And then what the other thing that Durham does, which is a great service, and it's a subtle point, but an important one, is he says it was based on paragraph five. That was the source of the information. He quotes the whole paragraph. It's deliberately vague. It says specifically that Papadopoulos did not know, A, whether anything had come from the Russians, and B, what it was the Russians were going to give the campaign, and C, whether the Trump campaign would even say they would accept it. So it was like, he didn't know, he didn't have actual information. And what he says, he goes through this, he says did the FBI, before launching a full investigation, which has a lot of implications, by the way, it means the whole weight of the government is now focused on this presidential campaign. Did they interview the Australian diplomats? Maybe say, okay, tell us what you mean by this. Did they check the intelligence holdings of anyone else like the CIA or their own analysts in the FBI? No, they didn't do anything. The only thing they had was this cable that was given to them from the U.S. embassy in london to the fbi and that was it even their own like it's known as a a out or an their only legal attache in the u.s embassy for the fbi said it was sin and but even Eli, you,
2: yeah. the, the other thing here too which is astonishing yeah. is that you have two human intelligence sources who go in in talk to papadopoulos at the behest yes, of the FBI, after they start the wire Right. And Papadopoulos, in these conversations, refutes everything and says, N- there's nothing. We don't have any. Like he says, he says, says it's insane. The campaign
0: never do that. He said the campaign it would never, never do anything. It's insane like to think they're working with the Russians. Yeah.
2: And they bury that when they're applying for a FISA warrant. which is They bizarre. don't, they, they don't wow. even
0: share the information with the Office of Intelligence in the Justice Department. So there's a which part crazy, of the Justice yeah. Department that's supposed to check the work of the FBI on mm. FISA applications. And they don't share the exculpatory information with the office of intelligence but let me ask you a follow-up here yes. you
2: wrote a piece that we've referenced i referenced i referenced it on megan kelly's show the other day and i hope i've got a few uh reads but it's from 2021 your piece for commentary which has the evocative headline of guilty but framed can you just in a, in a brief way and i don't know if anything's changed if anything's changed in your thinking on this in the past couple of years do tell us but what what is he guilty of because we know the frame stuff we're talking about. don't he, he Donald he, Donald he Donald Trump. Trump. Yeah. Let's yeah, okay. give this guy shit I think,
0: too. Actually, I appreciate it. It wasn't all roses.
2: Yeah. What did he do that was mm-hmm. that that
0: that was uh, suspect? And he was okay. So Michael Cohen here. tried and did have meetings about trying to build Trump Tower in the summer of 2016. In the period bef- as he was getting the nomination. So and once he was the nominee, he this the, is a the, Trump Trump Tower Moscow. Right. I mean. Okay, but like in yeah. that period when least i mean i don't know i mean i thought he was i thought we knew by june that he was going to be the nominee but i mean in that period before he was officially the nominee if you know what i mean yeah. um that we knew he, by indiana and yeah. that yeah. also of course you know trump being the bullshit artist that he is said you know i never did anything in moscow and that like you know they used to make this point all the time like oh well then that means that they could blackmail him because you know if you he, if he's just doing this at like if you're like learning the history of espionage or something. That is a classic formulation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really apply to somebody like Donald Trump, who's the president of the United States. Anyway, we could get into like the thing, but that's something you could say. I would certainly say that that was, a, he was dishonest about it.
2: Yeah, but um, also simple lies don't have any effect on him. So that's not-
0: Yeah, it's like, like, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, and like, I can give some other examples. I mean, he, as president was inconsistent on this, but he often would, he had, he would often say, I don't, I don't see any reason why the Russians would have do it when, the assessment i'm talking about just the hack of the u.s intelligence community was yeah. without a doubt the russians did it and there really was their dissent and that undermined a part of the campaign or part of the u.s strategy against russia i should say that was to was called like the idea of attribution so that russia works in the gray zone and they do a lot of things that they that are plausibly deniable and they don't get credit for and part of what hr mcmaster it was the national security advisor was trying to do and he wrote this in his memoirs one one of the critical things he said about Trump. Was he was undermined when he would sort of have these outbursts as president. Another thing that I think you should certainly criticize from him, even though I will grant that there is a sort of understandable as much as I loathe somebody like Peter Strzok, what, um, what Trump did to Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and people who are like kind of mid-level or senior mid-level government bureaucrats at the end of the day, even though they're FBI. And I think they acted really unethically by sort of, uh, I guess like sort of, summing up a um an internet mob he really did have cause for struck and his family to have like you know security and things like that it's a terrible thing for somebody with his stature and fame and power especially as the president of the united states to sort of i don't know sick these internet mobs on somebody like that who works for the us government so i think that was pretty terrible
2: thing what about what about actual interactions with russia in the sense that you know there are people, and we've talked about this, you know this, uh, yeah. Matt knows, Camille's knows this, the number of people that have written books. I know we we gave Michael Isakoff some credit on, on Megyn Kelly's show for writing a book with David Korn and then backing away from a lot of the, the kind of more sensational. But his co-author, stuff.
0: David Corn is a classic example of somebody who to this day will, to this you know, know makes this, make this, you know, says, yeah, of course there was collusion, sure. But what he is should, the point? He Can should write let... a book with uh, David Frum. I think
3: uh, oh, so that's, that's, that's,
2: that's yeah. okay look and, and I want to I want to preface this by saying yeah. you know Eli myself and I'm sure Matt you too know David and um, probably have pretty stark differences of opinion but in the in the um, you know in open debate and honesty about this Matt sent uh, over uh, I think it was Matt you sent that to the to the thread no it was Camille it was Camille sent it to the thread this David from piece from the Atlantic that yes. basically takes the exact opposite position of everything you've been saying now when well, yes. you, I assume you read that. I know you I read did. that actually.
0: Yes, I did. Um, with all
2: the with all the generosity of spirit, you can muster, uh, David and friend? I. Are,
0: I want to say that David and I are still friends, and you can have very vigorous yeah. disagreements with people yes, over the course, course now of many years on an issue yes. um, that yes. we both write about. But where is he wrong on this? Of, yeah. What? Because where that 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 piece, has David. Been I, I don't way. think I don't trust. I think that David's wrong in a few senses. One is that. um I don't think he understands that if, if I, I I believe in when he says he wants to resist Trump and he's against Trump and he thinks Trump is a real danger. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I think he's being sincere. What I don't think he understands is that by not holding to account people on his own side who have made so many wild lunges about, uh, Trump, predicting you know is you know you know calling him a criminal and a traitor and having it just based on what looks to be russian disinformation which is hilarious it doesn't help it's you're not more anti-trump by uh pretending all that is somehow true where it doesn't matter that it's not true because directionally it's true well it matters a great deal that it's not true especially since this was information that was not presented as hyperbole or presented it, you know, as, you know, I don't know if it,
4: it, it, it wasn't, it was presented yeah. as
0: like, this is information and If you, if you, and if you disagree with this, then you're an apologist for Trump and you're on the side of Russia, people who really you know, kind of bullied people. And from an epistemological perspective for that, for you have to sort of take a moment and say, you know what, we got that wrong and it's not good. And to hell with, you know, the, those people in the debate who, who led me to believe that um, there was evidence that Trump had some sort of deal with the russians if what mm-hmm. david from wishes to say is that donald trump is a corrupt person who can't be trusted with the awesome power of the presidency well i happen to agree with him and um but i don't what i don't understand is like you know david has written about a lot of things that have nothing to do with russia that do involve trump corruption you can talk, i mean he's, for example that there's a scandal having to do with a big turkish bank that was sanctioned for iran things um and trump probably really is implicated in that so you know the fact that we didn't have the media bandwidth to pursue these other scandals which i don't want even to say are true or not because i mean i have you know what i'm saying but like we didn't pursue that because we we're pursuing a phantom we were pursuing uh, you know this story about russia you know the, the russian hack having something to do with the trump campaign and what david will say is that you know he made WikiLeaks a part of his campaign strategy but that is not the same as cooperating or conspiring with the Russian state to hack emails or to distribute act emails or anything like that. It's just not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so it's sort of a definitional question as well.
2: And WikiLeaks did not respond to the Trump campaign. It right?
0: was, it, well, <laughs> Roger Stone failed. I don't it, The amazing, Wiki, I mean, it didn't respond. WikiLeaks like like says yeah, we yeah. got all these emails from the Clinton campaign. And then you're surprised that Roger Stone tried to move heaven and earth. <laughs> To get in touch with wikileaks to find out what they were saying i mean really is that your
2: <laughs> yeah but he never got them from wikileaks right no he didn't nobody
0: ever yeah. got them heads up It was just we know that there was a an end that was made and he lied about it to congress of course he did because he lied all the time of course he's roger, his his roger Stone. He like, I mean, yes you, that's the thing the other thing that really bothers me is sort of i really have come to appreciate it in the trump years because of writing about russia game is the awesome power of prosecutors to trip you up and get you on a crime that you wouldn't Mm -hmm. have committed had they not gone after you for something that you didn't do. And that's kind of like what happened to like (laughs) Michael Flynn and it's like, and I think it's terribly unfair. And it's like, that this is like the people who did this, you know, like the Andrew Weissman's of the world regard themselves as fucking heroes of democracy. These people are undermining our democracy. They're undermining our judicial system. They're villains of democracy. These people need to be purged from the legal establishment. It's a terrible kind of thing. We don't want. I don't want to live in an America where prosecutors get to basically sort of, you know, sit up there and decide who they're going to go after. And you know, that's that's not justice. And so yeah. I don't like. I don't like Trump, yeah. but I don't like that stuff either. Right? I mean, that's how I look at it.
1: Yeah. I don't want to have like like a David from Hate Fest. It, yeah, it, I don't, don't want. I was trying I'm, to be really. And, yeah. I, and I and I'm You've like, been, no, you were you were very generous. You were very yeah. nice. But I don't know David, so I can keep yeah. it. I can keep it all the way one hundred <laughs> with you. The The piece in the Atlantic was called "What
0: Makes the Durham." Oh, yeah, the other thing is the obsession with flop. like the. Old, like, he was really writing <laughs> about like Trump again, and it's like, well, can we write about what what we found it, out? He found out some amazing right, stuff in this report. He doesn't.
1: He doesn't engage with the material in the report. And to the extent he does, there's this like really bizarre bit here. Rather than endorse the theory of global anti-Trump conspiracy, Durham settles in t- into a long bill of grievances against the FBI. Huh? That's the point. <laughs> the agencies. Yeah, yeah. Right, the agencies, to that, yeah. yeah. That's supposed. To, yeah. Is that a good thing or a bad <laughs> yeah. thing? Like that's um, the point. The like agencies' methods. The he argues FBI, were too aggressive. If, it's yeah. <laughs> the agency's methods. He he argues were too aggressive. Its agents were too ready to believe the worst about Trump. The FBI had only enough information to justify a preliminary investigation, not a full one. A distinction the report carefully parses for some pages. This, in the end, is the is the gravamen of the Dur- Durbin report. The FBI overreacted to the available information about Trump Russia connections and should have moved more cautiously before advancing to the next phase of investigation. This seems really important. Um, but he goes on to to conclude, um, specialists in the law and practice of counterintelligence can argue whether Durham had correctly interpreted the appropriate modalities of FBI procedure. Very possibly, Durham is correct. Yet, <laughs> even if he is, isn't this the kind of o- underwhelming? Well, it's underwhelming if the only thing you care about is Trump. And whether yeah. or not Trump is a bad dude, but if you actually care about the operations of the criminal justice system in the United States, yeah. if you actually care about federal investigations. If you actually care about whether or not the federal investigators are getting involved in electoral politics and they perhaps are doing it in a way that allows their biases to have implications mm-hmm. um, to for the for the national election, then, yeah, it's kind of a big fucking deal. Yeah. It matters. And it's not some sort of sinister plot. It's only that if you refuse to engage with the details of the investigation, and that is what David does here, and it's it is a it is a real shame. I think David is a is perhaps an otherwise thoughtful person, and it sounds like you all have some relationship with him and kind of esteem him in some way. But it's just
2: this is a, this is a bad look, and it's I see so many no, responses the, like this. The, the, the grievances against the FBI when that was the purpose is almost like saying you know i just had to listen to marcia clark list off a bunch of grievances about oj simpson <laughs> <laughs> he's beating his wife it's like i get it i get it yeah yeah, yeah. What, what, does <laughs> <to> do <in laughs> what does that have to do with like, anything the glove doesn't
1: fit it didn't you fit. must acquit <laughs> <laughs> what don't like, you understand like, that the, guy said
2: nigger the, that is all that matters <laughs> <laughs> damn it <laughs> you obviously had to bring mark Furman into this camille um, that was the case that's yeah, what that the case did. Senator church is just <laughs> Yeah, recycling
0: it is, his old <laughs> grievances about miranda rights and like <laughs> fbi sure there was some counterintelligence programming you know what
2: allows this to happen because you said and i've seen you make this point and a lot of other people too have, have too at this point that the um case against michael flynn for instance was pretty trumped up and not um uh very convincing in the end the mm-hmm. case against donald trump uh similar right and you could do you could go across the you know i don't know but the manafort thing i think is probably a little more solid but if you go if you go across these things one of the things that allows this stuff to to remain in the kind of culture of politics is that the people that they're talking about suck so bad and that is yeah. true. Michael Flynn is a, a wild, whack job conspiracy theorist these Eli days. Eli loves think him. Eli
0: loves him. Well, now I think Eli
2: would acknowledge No, 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 no.
0: I mean, I would agree that what he was saying about the election is terrible. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, he's gone around <laughs> the bend, right? And Trump yeah. the same. It's like, but you can't you still can't set up shitty people and say well they're shitty doesn't make a difference or i'm i'm inclined to believe that
0: because they are pretty shitty people there were a lot of terrible people who opposed the american intervention in world war one yeah but it doesn't mean that people who opposed the intervention in world war one should have gone all, to jail. Like yeah. didn't have a didn't have constitutional rights. Come on. I mean it's like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They weren't right yeah, most of them were the way, they were yeah. being yeah. being against World War One is the correct historical position. <laughs> yes. I say this as a as a militarist a Zionist and a hegemonist. What's <laughs> well, the defend, Zionist approach to World well, War One? There's no defense of World War One. It's just it's the worst war. It's the worst. If that's war. the only war you know. I am willing to even give you a pass if you're not too anti Semitic World War II. Like Joe Kennedy is over the line, but there's a yeah. lot of people who I'm willing to yeah. say, all right, you know what? I'm, yeah. You're not, you're not anti Semitic. Uh, uh,
2: you know, before it. we let you go, let me yeah. ask you one thing that's a little off topic, but something yeah. related to a topic we've been talking about. You did a two part mm. episode Bobby of um, your amazing podcast, The Reeducation. If you haven't listened to it, it is. Listen. it is like uh uh dan carlin but not 800 hours um great well liquor. dan carlin
0: is the legend man he's I mean, the he's legend the he's amazing he's the yeah. g he's the best he's the
2: g but you do contemporary politics too but you've been a lot of times recently you've been going back into history and that's we, all you want to
0: do now that's all you want to do i totally understand that and we i want to drop some information for the public for the first time we have yeah. a fantastic episode with Michael Moynihan uh, yeah, we on how down. Ulrika Minoff invented punk rock.
2: Yeah, of oh, the bottom not exactly of like that, <laughs> but it's close <laughs> enough.
0: I okay. did denounce her throughout the episode, but you did a two-part. No, episode. no we denounce <laughs> her, but we—you we, have to acknowledge that Ulrika Minoff <laughs> is so punk rock. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy how punk rock she is.
2: Okay, um, but we were talking about RFK Jr. Uh, a little bit oh, before, yeah. before you came on, and um, you did a two-part episode about his father two-part yes. very very deep dive the second episode of which was fantastic um first first one where so you talked to, but the second one first one, oh, first one was great but but but, but no <laughs> second one was great because of jack goldsmith oh yeah um, the, who as the as the guest um you know who's a really interesting guy in the civil liberties world etc but whose uh father whose, whose stepfather uh, i'm sorry is a uh, stepfather was um a a heavy for Jimmy Hoffa, which is an an incredible thing. But when you did that RFK uh, thing um, and you know, RFK Jr. now is talking about his father in this very, very particular way about basically this wonderful progressive hero that was uh, struck down too soon. Half of that seems right, he was struck down too soon. What was the the takeaway that you got from doing your deep dive into RFK Jr.'s
0: dad, Bobby Kennedy? Bobby K was a cop. <laughs> okay, he's a cop. He is one of the worst violators of American civil liberties, particularly the 4th Amendment in the 20th century. He's right up there with like uh Attorney General Palmer, Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. Um on the other hand, he had the right enemies. He was hated by the Ku Klux Klan and the American Communist Party and the mafia yeah that's a trifecta in eli lake's book so it's a complicated (laughs) man (laughs) you know what i'm saying it's like (laughs) there's a lot of yeah yeah spoiler alert this is how i ended (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy to me of all the people that wanted to kill bobby kennedy that it was sir hans it was the Palestinian. it was a crazy palestinian bobby kennedy really didn't give a shit about israel yeah his he was like he really that that was not what he was focused on at the end of his life he was focused on a kind of like he wanted to build this like working class minority political coalition and he wanted to end the vietnam war and he wanted to make sure there were no more poor and malnourished people that's at the end of his life that's why he's a progressive hero for most of his adult life he was a mccarthyite dirtbag who <laughs> authorized a, a sort of dirty war in cuba known as operation mongoose basically did favors for his brother so deported like one of his mistresses like that's bobby that's the real bobby that's but then the, at the, the end he was like on the side of the angels and then sadly he was shot by a lunatic palestinian it's a great episode if i do say so myself please check it out if you haven't
2: it, it, it is great but isn't it amazing Eli, that we um people don't tend to focus on this and i think this proves that the people who set the narrative are of a particular political stripe is that the two Well, two of the major assassinations uh of uh the 1960s were of the kennedy brothers one was shot by a palestinian activist and the other one by a communist yeah <laughs> and it's not really <laughs> talked about very much um it's
0: yeah you know, by the way one was one was like on the hands-off cuba committee yeah yeah yeah, yeah fair, that was play, fair then,
2: play for cuba committee
0: yeah, yeah the fair yeah. play right the fair play for cuba and then right exactly and then sir Un-Sir. here's the weird yeah. thing there's a bunch of people who think that it was like more than him yeah but everything course. I've ever seen from Sir Sirhan, Hans is like yeah I know I did it but I I I No
3: man is a great point No on this one. he he apologized to Bobby Kennedy Jr who's like yeah i appreciate his humility and the cia did it uh, it was probably yeah. through that <laughs>
2: Sir Ant, Sir Ant was like no 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 seriously it was me no, no, don't, seriously do no, oh listen goodness. to me bobby it was me i did it yeah it's like the 9 11 truthers and and fucking how angry bin laden is and he was like no no was not it was not, the, it was not <laughs> the cia it
0: was he wanted is. to get surroghan surroghan out of jail
2: right yes
0: junior. still yeah. that's so
1: no funny. Yeah, his uh yeah. his
3: family uh is really upset him with, him. with him uh on just two reasons i think there, there could be more um but uh one is vaccines and the other one is that he went to uh lobby for him to get out of jail to be paroled yeah um and said that he yeah. th- that he's uh is contrite and by the way he didn't do it it was actually uh, it was actually this this <laughs> racist bodyguard
2: e howard hunt or yeah. something <laughs> no it's like, there's a theory
3: behind it there's a you know it's it's the uh,
2: he says there was a racist? Yeah, there's a the guy idea? who was a
3: rent-a, rent-a-cop, and Eli, I'm sure knows the story way, well, more than I do, um, but uh, who, um, I forget his name, um, who had been hired, and he, like, literally did not like Bobby Kennedy and thought that he was too close to the to the Negroes, and uh, and so mm-hmm. the theory is that he- It's probably
1: a fair criticism, um, you know.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, never want to be too
0: close.
1: you yeah. know. It's Camille, By definition, been, by almost. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I'm you just saying, video podcast. Close. I want to make sure that you know that it was Camille. That that. Bobby was and like I'm frenemies,
0: like... by the way, with James Baldwin. See? Was he frenemies with Baldwin? Well, I mean, yeah, what he were friends a... with he had he, he socialized with him, but Baldwin would like, a couple times in private, like, let him really have it. And mm. For his copishness? Well, yeah. I mean... He did authorize the bugs on Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on Martin Luther King, it do really doesn't come up very much, you know. But I well, think that it's, um, but, see, like, I I feel like that's an incomplete information because the reality is, we we'll, like dive into this stuff. There was an undercover commie very close to Martin Luther King. Like, this guy really was a wait, communist. Wait, who who was a
1: communist? Levison. Oh yeah, yeah. I just wanted you to be clear. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's <laughs> like, like a he was you know one the, the king guy needs to be looked advisors, into. But he was he yeah. was yeah. He a member
2: of the communist party. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, check out his podcast, James Earl Ray. Yeah, I'm sorry, no, I'm, <laughs> that's that's be not fair. But I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like, yeah. it's like
0: yeah. I'm I'm quoting Beverly Gage from the Hoover. Yeah, Academy, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. The point, my my point is that all of these things are far more complicated, which is why I love mm-hmm. like. Uh, the history stuff and i and michael i know and and matt i know i know all three of you love it too and that's one of the Mm -hmm. things that i think i don't know it just gives us better perspective than the just i mean it's this show is so great because it's it just totally lambast like the ridiculous mainstream media buffoonery that we see all the time yes but like part of it is because these none of these people understand or have read history or or, you know any of that i'm not talking here about david Frum at all i'm just talking about in general
2: Yeah, yeah 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 now it would be helpful particularly when you have long, endless, involved conversations for six years um, on various platforms. Uh, unfortunately, some of them on, on cable news about Russian disinformation in the mm. past of Russian, Russian disinformation. Because one of the most amazing things, and I am, and as listeners know, uh, that the thing that I've been writing about. Um, uh, uh, rachel maddow's podcast ultra which is now ballooned into a nine volume uh book series it's like <laughs> really? this is like the harry potter <laughs> i was like i mean every sentence i've gone over and i've got a lot of stuff on this but the amazing thing is that she's trying to say well the, uh, the russian disinformation the collusion the uh you know trying to overthrow the government etc has uh its antecedents in things like you know uh, neo-nazis in, in the government In the 1930s, or neo Nazis um, in 1930s and 40s, who were getting close to certain people in Congress. It's a very, very small group of people, and she misunderstands a lot of it. And one of the most hilarious things is, uh, you know, so she's like
0: justifying uh, the early. Oh, wow. He, 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 it, sedition trials, yes. I mean, which is <laughs> incredible.
2: Um, I got an email from Je- Jesse Walker from Reason. who's like, wait a second. Is she actually saying that the sedition trials were good? And it's like, yeah, well, in fact, she is. But the crazy thing <laughs> about it, it is that going to start was. defending
0: Roy Cohn any minute. He's going to be like, <laughs> well, the funny <laughs> thing is, is, Roy is, Roy is that, that there misunderstood. Were, <laughs> there, were, there were he was a gay
2: rights icon yeah. there was uh there there were people trying to do that, and it was actually the russians yes. and uh which is what she ignores and tries to replace them with a the fascist because the fascist kind of dovetails nicely with her argument about about uh about Trump and does actually cite um somebody during the podcast which she never mentions was the one um the one person in uh uh congressman dickstein who was in congress who was actually a soviet agent
0: we have one Oh, I didn't know that. One. Oh, that's a yeah, great one. story.
2: Yeah, one. He represented Lower
0: East Side. He was from Lower East Side. What about the guy there? from Brooklyn, the Italian? You know what I'm talking about? The oh well, yeah, like,
2: he he was too. Uh, but I don't know if he was actually. On but he was the like payroll, openly a was, member of the Communist Party. He was, yeah, he was, he yeah, was like a, he proud was a uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a shame to the Italian
3: people. Hey, Eli, but, I would like to ask you one question before we murder you, which is, um, um, sure, yeah, um, sure. Durham report comes out. There's a there's a a, a bunch of people we've referenced them and general um, uh, who've been, you know, making a living, Rachel Maddow, is one of them of, of kind of inflating um, all of these investigations up until now. Uh, are there any journalists that we should look to who have reacted, processed this information in what you would describe as a kind of honorable way of saying, oh, we know new information now and um, we should look back at our own Uh, capitulation of information about this subject in the past and our perspectives have changed is there anybody out there who's done that this week
0: Mm. well you know for me it's my it's my constant must read jen rubin she has kept such a steady head through this whole time. She's never sort of just attached herself to irrational positions that totally were contradicted by what she'd written only a few years before. She's just sort of like, a, been a steady rock, a rock wow. of great judgment and wisdom. We need people and, like that, Eli. We need Yeah. Them. Anyway, yeah. I mean, listen, I want to get out of the, that's why I'm out of the game. You know, I mean, when you got a, a legend like Ruben. <laughs> um, okay. J.K. um <laughs> Well, you know, like it's just, the just obvious, kidding. Guys, for the kids, yeah. yeah. It, it, you you guys, you know, uh, yeah. You guys mentioned Isakoff. Yeah, uh, that's a hard thing to do when you have a book, and you, you know, he was a yeah. he was a co-author mm-hmm. with Corn on some Iraq War book that I half liked and half didn't like. um So it's tough to to do that and to have that kind of disagreement. And he was, you know, I mean, respect. I don't yeah. want to speak out of turn so i don't know if this is but well i think he said it. like i think he was like friends with like glenn simpson and the, i knew glenn simpson real talk and i'm no longer mm-hmm. friends with him i mean so definitely as a cop eric wemple has done great work on this very topic so in the i'm talking about the mainstream i mean there's a lot of people like chuck uh-huh, ross uh-huh. from the free beacon who you should be reading he really did a great job of this um you know uh I have to say, like, it's, there, I don't want to, like, get into, like, a media criticism thing, but it, there were people who Science overhyped media it on the other podcast. direction, do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, there, I, we 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 didn't learn from, I mean, I was just thinking, we didn't learn from Durham, for example, that this guy Joseph Mifsud, the Cypriot prof- yeah. professor who vis- mysteriously disappeared and only, like, talked with somebody from the Mueller team once or something. Well, it's, no, Durham didn't like finally saying that oh yeah no he was an agent for the cia or something which is what a huge that he was somehow working for u.s intelligence and that was something that was going around on the right so i i you know there was this was a story that just captivated people for so long mm-hmm. um i saw jake tapper uh do a, yeah tapper i thought had a nice yeah. it was nice i tappers uh i, I don't want to again i mean like cnn has been terrible that andrew mccabe <laughs> who really should be uh drummed out of polite society at this point uh is an analyst for CNN which to me is remarkable um so but Tapper I thought was right he said this is really bad for the FBI which is what I think it really was bad for the FBI
3: and Olbermann uh, Keith Olbermann said that I don't know Matt uh, you're you're, you're
0: always great when it comes to
3: yeah no, I don't like. uh I, I yeah. like fewer and fewer um, people. As you <laughs> <laughs>
4: it's about about, Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to think of who's been good on this. Yeah, issue. I mean, I don't know. Good. I mean, like, I think the Wall, the Wall Street Journal editorial page has been really good I mean, on it. Like, I mean, they've been like people who've been. Yeah, I mean, they they have I the mean, right McCarthy position. From, and from arts. my perspective
2: too, which is you know, right, um, very 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 Trump skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's even a bit of an an understatement. Um, uh, I mean, there's times that they've been too nice, but mostly they're not fans of Donald Trump and did actually, you know, come out and say, this stuff doesn't make a ton of sense. But, you know, I mean, when you have the biggest fish that you can get is Carter Page... Who looks like is like Mr. Bean in my head? He's like bumbling through an airport, like trying, like you know, trying to step on the tram and it closes on his suitcase or something. He's just like kind of a dopey guy that didn't like you know. People say he was like a junior level um, uh, advisor to the campaign. It's like, I, did anyone really even know who he was? It seems like he was not really contributing a lot to that campaign. Well, he was
0: he was introduced in. Some of the ed, edit board meetings in the summer of 2016 mm-hmm. as part of the foreign policy team. Yeah, because he mm-hmm. happened to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, um, and I think that that what got him on the list. So I think it was either the New York Times, or the Washington Post, where he was there. You know who was really good, Matt? I've thought of something that I didn't say before. Is also Bob Woodward. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, interesting yeah. indeed. Because Bob Woodward, you know, was the legacy career too, and there's the good <laughs> and the bad.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, r- naval intelligence. Yes, exactly. <laughs> true, true, true. That naval intelligence. Are you, you going
2: to start talking about the uh, the Len Kolodny book, "Silent Coup," <laughs> which uh, which uh, is it, a classic? Like, maybe I <laughs> wrote it. Yeah, um, it's, I mean, it, it's uh, uh, it's actually a really fun, interesting book. Oh, that, I should read that. D- that I think John Dean uh, sued him, uh, uh, sued Kolodny, and then right. sued Gordon oh, Liddy, I believe, for actually citing Calodny. um I mean this is one of the guys uh you know that is uh you know behind Operation Gemstone which is one of the craziest things of all time <laughs> I <laughs> love that it's like you know why we did it the Wait. prostitutes Maureen Dean was a whore <laughs> and it's like what what are you talking about and then he sued him but a lot of that comes from the from the book Silent Coup which is one of the original kind of uh conspiracy books you could say about about um about uh watergate but but you know look a lot of these things uh conspiracy books quote unquote do end up having some interesting nuggets of information and, and one of them was the was the stuff about woodward and uh his naval oh, intelligence is... career so did we yeah Camille? i mean <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah we lost
0: Camille. Did we? all right
2: you're hired um <laughs> eli <laughs>
0: done <laughs> let's the talk about education <laughs> the fifth column <laughs> are you also yeah, not let's class? talk about can we talk about class <laughs> never talk about class this podcast is all about first class never talks about the real issue which is <laughs> the struggle between management and labor <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, not, it's a race this. with camille <laughs> and i am gonna i want to offer a systemic critique yeah That's a real systemic <laughs> critique
2: yeah well what, eli why don't we keep you from one final thing because we we're going to yeah. talk about this
0: is the i want to talk g- about praxis that's yeah, what pra- i want to talk about praxis yeah. is uh, you- m- m-
2: maybe a little above uh, of uh, the heads of um, some people here that's an Ulrika Meinhoff kind of thing but let's talk about the gerontocracy that is oh, yeah. uh the democratic party because uh, oh uh jim newell who i know a little bit uh and and uh, somebody a few other uh, reporters uh buttonholed uh diane feinstein uh, mm-hmm. and asked her uh, a few questions
3: as she was being... Like, what's your name? What's your name? <laughs> Who are you? Her How back are you in.
2: feeling? How are you feeling? You were gone and, for a long time. And she's like, no, I'm, I've am i been here the whole time. I just won Miss North Carolina. And she's like, what are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> gone, gone crazy. She didn't know she had missed three months. And then, in the same day, and this is unfortunate, and I don't want to laugh at it because it's very sad, uh, John Fetterman uh, was uh, questioning somebody in some hearing or something, and um, it is very, very painful to watch him make almost zero sense. staggering.
0: I, is it a staggering response, responsibility that, uh, the, that the head of a bank could literally could literally crash our economy? So, first of all, that's oh, like yeah, if you have. Okay. I mean, like, uh, and, and they also realize is that 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 now they have it's in the guaranteed a guaranteed Good way Lord. to be saved by no again by no matter number no, by, by, by how you know so it, it's it's you know isn't it appropriate that the those kinds of the, this kind of control should be more stricter
1: no response
0: to prevent this kind of thing from going or should we just go on and start bailing and sailing whoever bank regardless of how how uh, there's uh, their
2: conduct is i mean i know no what he's saying again. actually look, look i mean look, i do look. actually understand what he's saying he he clarifies you
0: know uh, uh, should <laughs> be an example uh, <laughs> I'm yeah yeah, stop right. Right. Just, yeah yeah i mean it's he hard. stops
2: no he one stopped. responds no one, no one responds i mean I actually what, what he's say? saying well did I, you respond to that? Yeah. What was he saying Moynihan? He he was saying that doesn't make make a deal, it doesn't make a difference. I'm now starting to sound like him. am <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Well, I'm not Red Fox. That was like you go. you gonna want to have the bailout, the banks is a big bank bailout. It's the biggest one. About and like a big he, bailout.
1: Um, <laughs> he provides a clarification and uh, if I were to keep yeah. playing it, you would see that that is it's
2: it is even more incoherent. Than the yeah, question that he Yeah, posed. That is a mystification that he has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what he saying basically is that no matter what you do, they're gonna bail you out. That's a that's what you could say that in half Yeah, that's centuries. fine. But a Fetterman, you know, and it's not just the speech thing, right? He spent seven weeks in what, Walter Reed for, for expression? Yeah, for yeah, and I'm sympathetic to that too. I I feel terrible for the guy. I hope he I hope he's feeling better. Um, but then you cut to the president. So this is the third person in who half the time is just like what is going on no one can put a sentence together and it's kind of terrifying that these are the people that are in charge in one way or another of the freest country on earth <laughs> that's a bit scary to me so
0: no one i think one, you're being a little ageist on feinstein i mean i know plenty of 20 somethings and 30 somethings who Are really down for the count for three months because of shingles. It happens all the time. (laughs) And they get a little flighty. You know what I mean? Like, I I wouldn't want you to ask me, like, you know, (laughs) where I was (laughs) if I had shingles.
4: Yeah. So <laughs> like, like, I people like, I break. Me. She sounded
0: fine to me. You know yeah. what I mean. She'll she'll still be in the Senate till she's 150. <laughs> <laughs> she is great. She's yeah. terrific. And I do oh, know young yeah. people who forget where they've been,
2: but it's usually because uh, they've been all taking the time, all the yeah. time, yeah. young people, all the time. <laughs> <want> to...
0: <laughs> well, I'm I mean, sorry. I'm sorry. The thing is, like, what, first of all, California, Matt, what is going on with California? I don't one trust point. Gavin Newsom to appoint something. You know what I mean? Like It's not going to be great. It's a one-party state. It's they ca- suck. Yeah, they suck. Name they me suck. the one-party state that's good.
2: But, Matt, yeah, no, right. why, as a uh, a fan of California politics, as the, as the yeah. font of wisdom about California politics, when you get to appoint somebody who is probably even more progressive than the 90-year-old woman who is... unfortunately i'm sorry to say is sliding off this mortal coil why don't who's preventing this from happening because it's not as if it's going to be a special
3: election it's going to be a close one you just point a point another kind of progressive democrat right i mean the thing is like why would you just look at the biden family the biden crime family (laughs) Um, (laughs) you can be as fucktarded as hunter biden Mm. and make money because no. your father has been in high public office for a half century so why would you ever leave high public office especially if your job was as unimportant as a united states senator yeah i mean that's the thing i mean if you don't govern right we've talked about it on this podcast including with justin amash when he was his two-hour uh, attempt to become the speaker of the house which is exciting that for everybody amazing. named justin Amash. Really
2: mad at me because i was like dude it's not going to happen and, yeah you know i had to be the bearer of bad news but didn't
3: get a lot of votes i don't remember in those 17 rounds but yeah. um and i said that with nothing but affection for our justin mosh um but what he points out and he's right about it and always has been and others have been as well is that congress doesn't legislate really um and so what do you do if you don't legislate What is it? So if you're a backbencher in Congress, uh, you can have a lot of press conferences um, and divorces and uh, (laughs) some more press conferences. Um, And you can do, in the best case, oversight committee where you're like busting balls of the administration if the power changes hands. But for the most part, you're just like gobbling oxygen on C-SPAN to try to build up your fundraising base. And it's just clown show all the way down. In the Senate, it's... A little bit more August, but sometimes a lot less, right? Like, so the actual decisions that get made are at the end of the year. It's always in December. Our cromnibus bill that we pass, you know, at the last minute, or the debt ceiling bill that's going to come up soon. After all of this talk about how, you know, the Republicans are going to like derail the entire global economy and turns out they won't. And they'll sign the deal. And it's going to be very sad for all the people who have been excited about it. Um, uh, There's not actually a lot to do. So what you can do is hold on to your power in your wheelchair and make sure that everybody in your extended family is done pretty well. Why would you ever leave? Why would you ever leave? Seriously? But like, but your family will get rich. That's the Mm. fact of governance. Your family will get rich. There is no like name me the family that didn't get rich going, going to Congress and just sitting on it. Right. George Santos (laughs) still may be, but it'll be a little bit difficult for him. Um, You know, just stay never resign. You know, know who didn't get rich going to Congress?
0: Al Franken. Sam Rayburn. Mm hmm. Sam it's a different generation, but I'm saying that there were, I'm, I was thinking about it like as a serious question, like you're right, because even back then, like, you know, Lyndon Johnson made a ton of money when he was in office. I mean, it's true. Um, but there were people who weren't. And then, then it leads to this other question, but I think you're raising a great point. If you crack down on that in some way, are you in, in a sense also then leaving the Senate and the House of Representatives only to the, super wealthiest families in the country the the boston brahmins or the tech billionaires or people like that who don't need to make money by being in office
2: mm, yeah it's a case for billionaires to come in but i, I always say that um one of these rich well i don't guy, know I, by the way i'm only asking the question it's not a critique i don't
0: know
2: i don't know if anyone saw the interaction uh between uh dan goldman uh, oh my congressman. god congressman and worst. uh julio rosas is that his name uh camille you know this guy right the, he's the he's the kid that did all this stuff all the coverage from kenosha and a oh. bunch of other places um uh-huh. i think he's a town hall or something but yeah he, yeah yeah he the was testifying right? yeah videographer guy. yeah he was testifying in some committee i can't remember what this was all about mm-hmm. but he was testifying about it um and you know it's like he's a good guy to testify he was at all of these riots he filmed all of them like literally everyone
3: he's is like, he the one who's going on a skateboard and always like getting uh, no, footage? no this is a different different no, no, guy no. okay uh, yeah
2: yeah and he he was there for everything and dan goldman responds to him and he's like you're who the fuck are you like ripping on him and the julio Rojas, uh, rosas comes totally prepared and he's like, "You are the heir to the Levi Strauss fortune." Oh, <laughs> and, and, he, and then he's like, "And by the way, you do really well in all these stock trades, don't you?" It was like oh, unbelievable. It was like, oh, good Lord. Lord. it's like, "Shit, that was wow. incredible." And there's was like a guy behind him, like, "Whoa," you can see him in the fucking <laughs> video. He's like, "Oh man," and you know, Goldman just got lit up by this kid. And that's it. Like this guy who,
3: that's exciting.
2: you know, there's and, and and when after I saw that, I realized wow. that there was a um, a website that uh, tracks uh, uh, stock transactions by people in Congress, which is pretty interesting. It's pretty, pretty mm-hmm. for oh, interesting. to look into it. But uh, but yeah, everyone's making a lot of money. But anyway,
1: how, how many Did times you? are we going to say goodbye to Eli before we just acknowledge that we're keeping him the whole night? We are. But I, I, think I think we <laughs> should be saying. Can safe say, I say
0: that? I just? You were just saying about this that. It's it's a it's a difference between America and Europe is that we don't really tend to hate rich guys as much. No, in America we We want to be like the rich guys. We just like (laughs) yeah, you you know what I mean, like us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know what I'm saying? It's like it's it's an interesting (laughs) thing because it's like, yeah, that sucks. Like, how did he get elected? I'm like, oh, we don't give a shit. Like, we like you know, we if you're a rich guy, sure, I want to be rich. That's like a most American thing. This is not a demerit to be the the heir to the but it is it does I come new out i'm telling people not to vote for, for what it's worth i can't stand that guy he he's was really adam true. Schiff's. he was yeah. adam Schiff's chief counsel they met like in a green room in msnbc it makes me want to fucking vomit i would <laughs> i read some new york magazine think about like oh like dan goldman and adam schiff were like going through intelligence about the russians i'm like oh <laughs> the worst but
2: anyway <laughs> anyway um yes. right, i think we should all go now we've been here for a let's while let's go let's Guys, go Thanks so much go. for having me i'm sorry again about my We didn't uh, get to brother. talk about the
1: two friends who were fighting over
2: the, the viral I, no Star we're gonna Wars do a situation. special we're gonna do a special episode on that because that's about an hour conversation for
3: me yeah that's pretty good
1: yeah, yeah. well you so know what? I'll tell you what we I, should I did do. reach out to the journalist who wrote that story and he yeah. responded to me, responded to me and well, i think we might be able to get him
2: that would be good. Make that Come happen. Because I want to yeah. make that happen. Because what, we, what I'll give our listeners time to do mm. is read this very long story in the LA Times. Please about the two women, Please one a it. honky and one not a honky. <laughs> one a honky, and, one a donkey. <laughs> well, that's you saying that. God damn it. One a honky.
1: I, I mean, you get to say honky. I, honky I say donkey and everybody well, gets all squeamish. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean in the about. Hungarian
2: sense. More people. <laughs> um, and they they were in the uh, Starbucks. <laughs> yes. In Philadelphia. It was 2018. That, down. Yeah, when that whole thing went down, when they called the cops on these guys that were in there, who desperately wanted
1: at, to get arrested. yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah you wanted.
2: guys, okay, you got to <laughs> yeah. leave.
1: They asked you to leave. I'm not going yeah. anywhere. Okay, yeah. well, you're going to get arrested.
2: Yeah, and he's like, then I'm going to show black him Black power! Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Black power! Yeah. yeah the this is human. an outrage.
1: Yeah. He told me to leave. I said no, and he arrested me. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> so this, the two women that are there, you uh-huh. know, fate brings them together, yes. and they start a scam DEI company that <laughs> charges $10,000. Literally, they meet each other there, white lady, black lady, they they uh, they uh, start this DEI companies said ten thousand dollars for these lectures because yeah. George Floyd happens right after and not long after and then and then it's like wait what is your expertise you were getting a fucking macchiato I mean <laughs> That's it's your really- it's bizarre but you but really then, have to read this story I mean, you, you got to read this Tom story Warf we're not gonna stuff. go deep it's some Tom Wolf in the flatcaster shit, Whoa, but then great, yeah. uh, they start this company, yeah. and the woman that the black woman who's I, who's I think parents are Ghanaian. Yeah, she's, goes
1: Ghanaian. And gets- she's, she's Ghanaian. And people were ridiculing her growing up. She always felt uncomfortable with the blacks yeah. because they would yeah, ridicule yeah. her and tell her, "You're not black. You're African." Yeah, and yeah. She talks that. About and, that. and she would yeah. go on to become. This yeah. like DEI maven yeah, making hundreds of thousands
2: of dollars per speech. It's speech. incredible. Speech? Speech? <laughs> Cause she was because she was getting a flat white. It's unbelievable. Other <laughs> was getting macchiato. She was like Australian. She didn't she even get arrested. White. I saw someone get arrested once. Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> did you get arrested?
1: I, like, no. I can tell you the story if you pay me a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> That's crazy. And give, me, and give me a flat white. Um, yeah. and here's my <laughs> friend. She white. She white. <laughs> she got privilege. Why are you talking like that? Well, that's just how I talk. I'm a black woman, but you're from Ghana. <laughs> <laughs> you're from Ghana.
2: Yeah, yeah. What are you the doing? PhD in gender studies. Like, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Just, just hear me out. But the incredible <laughs> thing about this is they get together, and then, of course, as you can imagine, the Ghanaian woman. Uh, let's use a term from the old FBI, (laughs) self-radicalizes, becomes (laughs) becomes like... So over the top, like yes. you know, Sarah Rayo type um, who changes her name. It <laughs> yeah, changes, yeah, changes her name like what to like a non Ghanaian name. Um, no, it's a, it's a more Ghanaian name. Yeah, I think yeah, it would, yeah. It
1: meant like born on Tuesday, which I won't make fun yeah. of because I have a it, friend named Kwaku, and he was born on Wednesday, which is so oh
2: okay. But so she I'll, changed her I'll name I'll to, to Asada Shakur, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so then she starts hating the white lady for being uh privileged that's, and she's yeah, like i deserve more money karen. in all of this karen <laughs> because i my, my body is the one that's yes. sustaining all this injury i'm the reason and, they call it yeah and she, she was, was like, she went all what? justin timberlake
1: on her yeah yeah yeah, totally
2: <laughs> and so then the, the marriage breaks up and she, and, the, and the white lady's like I don't even know what happened, and I, now <laughs> I have a black boyfriend. Now that's the whole hilarious thing too, where she talks about she a black boyfriend now. It's like, all right, you should doing the work. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Ever since the riot, do they provide you with like
0: a list of white-owned businesses to boycott? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just, yeah, that's, that's their DEI that's company. An, like, it's, it's on my
2: like Google Maps. It's a it's a browser yeah. plugin. It's it's like, about, <laughs> these are white-owned
0: businesses yeah. don't spend any money there. <laughs> don't.
2: And uh, well, that's what I had to. Fire her right. from the DI business because she was a partially white-owned business. But it is a hilarious and bizarre article that you should read because we're going to discuss it in in more depth. There's so many little things in it mm. that are interesting, and this? it's not just like one of these things where I'll look at people being crazy and woke or whatever. No, no, no. This is like really the distillation of everything that's happened in five years in the in yeah. in two people. It's really amazing. yeah, yeah. and so, the, uh, all the details it? are there. Was uh, his so, name just, is. It was, LA Times reporter. Yeah, Joel oh, well, okay. uh, Kalem. Yeah. Yeah. But he said he'd talk about it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He said All he right. said he
1: he'd talk about it. He has to he wants to give the story a little bit more time. I mean, he just wrote sure. this story about these two women. It's gonna have some implications for their lives, just like being in Starbucks turned them into, I don't know, hundred thousand heirs or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I um, think that it, severely, some imp- it supremely improved their their um their prospects. Then George Floyd George Floyd died. And they got rich, which is amazing. Good for them. Um, and uh, yeah. yeah, but when it all fell apart, they fell apart. And it's a remarkable yeah. story. It's a, sad, it's a story that could only happen in America. When they make sad. the movie, that's what they should call it. Only yeah. in America. Yeah, they should just
2: call it America. With a, K, with, <laughs> with a triple K, as Ice with the said. With a triple
1: K. Still with yeah. the triple K. <laughs> Forever.
2: Forever. America's most wanted and just those. They can't help lady. it. Yeah, and it it's like, heritage. it's, it, but it's so funny because the whole point is like, she wasn't um uh flagellating herself in the struggle session enough being like Mm -hmm. you know why are you talking right now you should be in the corner um repenting for things that uh people you have never met did and have no (laughs) relation to you and it's like i know i should be doing that obviously but but it's it's very sad and insane and funny in parts too but it's a great Mm -hmm. it's a great kind of window into what a crazy time that we live in right now so
1: yeah but but also how things are falling apart I mean, yeah. some of the responses to the article are, "Oh, you, you're you're making fun of this," um, but this is we're turning into South South America, South Africa, like it's happening. The racism is going to take over. No, did you read the, the article? Yeah. The the industry that was supporting hundred thousand dollars speaking engagements for ladies who go to buy coffees and nothing else happened to you, <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> like it's fallen apart. It's fallen no apart. No one is willing to pay them money anymore. Yes. the, the, the band broke up.
0: Yeah, yeah, so because yeah, when you best flat white the I've company. ever purchased. Yeah, the best, <laughs> yeah, the best the, mochaccino ever shit. had. Yeah, yeah, this was yeah. A, changed a, a my two, life.
2: A two million dollar mochaccino, <laughs> but no, it is it's the triple uh, shot
0: espresso that changed my life. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's the thing is, is that is that
2: um, this uh, is one of the the kind of themes of the story, and it's worth talking about in the future and doing a little digging on this too. Is that whole industry that sprung up. And, you know, it had been going for a lot of people before that, too. That, but after the George Floyd thing, it really took off. And everyone is mad. And there was this thing that I saw of these, like, it was a clip of a Zoom of these DEI specialists. Not specialists, because they just mm-hmm. make it up as they go along. There's no training. They're just like, <laughs> I I have a story. I can scam people. And um, and on these Zooms, they're all like, and, and there's a clip, I have to find it and post it, where they're like, um, yeah, I'm not getting any calls anymore. And the other one's like, yeah, no, me either. I'm like god mm. white supremacy is back it's like mm, fiscal discipline <laughs> is back that's these companies are like going out of business and they're like 40 percent of our income is to have robin d'angelo do like a volleyball session where she talks about how you suck because you're white like that you can't do that anymore you can't do that anymore because it's just too expensive and it's too stupid and no one wants it so so that's the, yeah, the other they, they'll, they'll
0: get supported by other universities for like yeah well universities has
2: been that's like that's been going on for 30 years that's where it all starts but even, the,
0: never the, I, I, I know we got to go but like it, we're beyond it now though right i mean what?
3: who's we and what's beyond and what is what
1: beyond we're, beyond we're the world i feel like we're
0: not in the george floyd moment anymore <clears throat> correct
1: no. uh, well we're not in the george floyd moment but there are some lingering ramifications the cultural shift is very real um, sure, yeah. but but that's that's not of the dominant political conflict and I, w- I will continue to say because I know it to be true I mean even today I won't say anything about that but I know it to be true that most people are not complete lunatics most people that, are not well, obsessing over capitalizing to be in black that's they, they find a lot of this yes. stuff weird and that's and that exactly right
2: and that's the most important point too because what people in universities always wanted was to keep it amongst themselves this kind of rarefied place where they talked in this insane language and read (laughs) these dumb books and ridiculous academic journals and read um you know bell hooks out loud to their children the thing is is that when it went mainstream everybody was like this is fucking stupid i mean that's the most sort of straightforward way of putting it is that Mm -hmm. we have an opportunity now no 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 don't take the opportunity Because then everyone's going to start trying. Like Ron DeSantis, never be talking about you if there was no George Floyd moment. Because it got to everyone, and once it got to everyone, everyone was like, "Wait, what? Seriously? We have to have like dinner parties in which this woman from Colorado comes over and yells at me while I'm trying to eat meatloaf and I have to pay her for it? Like, what the fuck is this? It's not. It's like Cambodia. Good lord! And once that happened, it was like, yeah, Yeah. this is this is no people don't. I mean, the weird thing is
0: that the George Floyd moment actually started with like the most right-wing figures from Trump and Limbaugh when he was still alive denouncing the cops which hadn't happened you know in the beginning of the black lives matter like with with uh, Ferguson, Ferguson they were defending yeah. they were defending the police by yeah. the mm-hmm. time the video of George Floyd came out all, the most right-wing people I think Ann Coulter even like everybody it was denounced she, it there was, was a moment of yeah. consensus on, on yeah, a, you could say sure. then turned into like a, basically a, a riotous urban race war yeah that's america you know like it was really fucked up it's like we became like we were for like a second we were like oh yeah this is bad let's reform the police and then (laughs) but there's no money in unity right there's no you can't write books
2: about unity like if 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 everyone comes together on something there's going to be somebody that's going to come in and be like you're being a white savior like what I'm just trying to be nice. I'm don't. I don't like violence against people. Why are you? Yeah. And so they, there's no. Yeah. Way, like you I recognize the legacy want to of slavery.
0: It. I still want to. Like I still think shoplifting should be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> like, that why are there, those mutually exclusive positions? But that's what I'm saying. It it's like be. if any nobody says be. that, and like.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite line of all time. Is that you really <laughs> opposed to slavery? And shoplifting. These I just together. I know that we don't, we can't have those competing thoughts in our head at once. But um, it's too much, yeah. it's too
0: much that. To yeah, ask. yeah. I've read Du Bois oh too. Gosh. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you should show. stop. I think you should stop firebombing the courthouse. Yeah. <laughs> like, There's a lot to ask.
1: Eli. Is that too much? <laughs> <It's, Eli laughs> <Lake>. Like. <laughs> Eli Lake, ladies, and gentlemen. <laughs> ladies <and> gentlemen. <laughs> Good all Lord. Right. Well,
2: Eli, thank you for joining us bless. As always. Oh, Thank you guys. Always I love coming fun. on. Um, bless up, Red. And, bless um, up. and sh- two things you should do are go over to we the fifth get all the extra stuff over there, which is a lot of cool extra stuff. Um a lot, a lot, a lot. Man. And like recently we just did a zoom with all you weirdos. And mm. uh, also the re education and it's not because he's my friend and not because he's one of our favorite guests it has become one of my favorite podcasts it's so oh, freaking good start if you haven't listened to it yet start with the John Lennon one you don't have to like music doesn't make a difference you don't have to like the Beatles the John Lennon one is a masterpiece absolutely brilliant thank Eli. you so the much politics of John Lennon so good but uh, thanks for joining us buddy
0: well thank you guys uh, we're gonna have to do we've do we got to do a fifth in DC at some point
2: we're coming soon yeah. All right. See. Good.
0: good. Know, up there it out there. All right. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. We know of new
2: methods of attack. The Belgian horse.